Well, I just love the, uh, the warm community and connection that we have here um, every week. My name is Anina, and I am your most recent addition to the pastoral team. And I'm going to be speaking to you today about physical health. It's one of um, the, the topics of our transformation series that we're doing as a church. I think some of us are entering into this week's topic with some understandable reluctance. I don't know how many of us feel that we are hitting the mark when it comes to physical health. I have some reluctance of my own. I stand before you as someone who this week had a cookie for breakfast <laughs> while I'm preparing the message on physical health. So we're all, we're all making progress in our own way. Um, Maybe for some, uh, physical health is one of those no-go areas for God. Maybe it's like, do not enter. I, you can talk to me, God, about anything, but, but not, not this one. Um, God cares about our physical health. To state the obvious, everything we do for God is done in our body. Everything we do for God is done in our body. And so our physical health does matter. In order to successfully fulfill our mission, we want our bodies to be in good working order. Today we're going to consider our bodies and God's provision for them, His purpose, His plan. I hope that we will be challenged to develop and implement one step, one small step, maybe a baby step, for our physical health. One of our family favorite movies is What About Bob? I don't know how many people here have watched What About Bob? Okay, a few. Um, I see my mom and my brother with their hands raised up because they, they like it too. Um, what about Bob? The character Bob is, uh, he, he goes to see this um, psychiatrist and, this, and, and he's, as a psychiatrist, calls him, he says that he is a um, almost totally paralyzed, multiphobic personality. And so he's in really bad shape and he is there to talk to this psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist named Dr. Marvin, he gives him a book that is called Baby Steps. And with this book, the instruction is not to think about everything that he has to do, but just think about one small step. For example, they were meeting in a large tower in an office, and Dr. Marvin says to Bob, don't think about everything you have to do to get out of this office building, just think about what you have to do to get out of this room. And by using these baby steps, Bob becomes a fully functioning, engaged member of the community. Uh, the problem is that he becomes an engaged member of Dr. Marvin's community, hence the comedy that follows, but uh, he, takes, he starts by taking baby steps, and this whole book is, is, this fictitious book is about baby steps, and what I would like to suggest this morning is that we can take baby steps, we can take a first small step, and this really is the way that we achieve goals and that we move forward and make progress in our lives. And so to begin with, let's look back. I really sensed that for this topic, we needed to establish some rationale. We needed to kind of answer the question, why should I care? 
about my physical health and why does God care? And so we want to establish, to begin with establishing some of that rationale and hopefully to um, help us with our motivation. And so let's look back, first of all, with God's intimate involvement with these physical bodies. First of all, God created us in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you remember when Jesus was asked about paying taxes? And he said, well, bring me a coin. And he held up the coin. And whose image was on the coin? Caesar's image was on the coin. And so he said, well, give this to Caesar's. It's Caesar's because Caesar's image is upon it. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. What was he referring to? Whose image is on you? God's image. And so we give to God what is God's because he created us and he has placed his image upon us. This is even before salvation. So not only did God create humanity in his own image, but he has been involved in the creation of each one of our bodies. Intimately involved. The psalmist declared, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. He was intimately involved in each one of our creation. And not only did he form our bodies, but he chose us and sealed us with his Holy Spirit when we came to him. Those who have called on the name of the Son carry the Spirit of God in their bodies. Let's look at a couple of verses that back this up in Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And a couple of verses later it says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And so he has his image upon us, and then he calls us out, and then he puts his spirit within our bodies, and then not only that, but he has a plan for us. He empowers us to accomplish his purpose for the kingdom of God in the area that we live. Later in Ephesians, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so this is who we are. We are image bearers. We are spirit carriers, seen loved, chosen by God before we were even created, and then strategically placed to accomplish the purpose of his kingdom. As Lincoln pointed out last week, when I consider some of these things that God has done, it gives me cause for thanksgiving. It also inspires my devotion. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. When we look back at what God has done for us, doesn't it make sense that we would want to reach for more? God has a purpose for our bodies, and that is to reflect 
his glory. Point number two, God's purpose for our bodies is to reflect his glory. The letter of Peter says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And so we see there that whether we have a a speaking gift or whether we're gifted to use our hands, that God's intention for us is that we would do all for his glory. Our church vision also bears this out. The elders have come together and, and sought God diligently and, and received counsel and wisdom from others in order to develop this vision. And the vision is that we would do all for the glory of God. It says that we would connect deeply, that we would grow fully, that we would serve passionately, and that we would do these things for the glory of God, because that's the purpose for which we are here, to glorify God. That's our birthright. That's why we were created. Do you remember the story of Esau and Jacob and the stew, the pot of lentil stew? Esau came in from, I don't know how long he had been gone for, but working hard, hard probably hunting, and his brother Jacob, who we know was kind of a trickster type of a person. I don't know if he had you know, planned this out, but um, Esau comes, comes back very hungry and, and he wants the stew and Jacob says, sure, you can have some stew, sell me your birthright. The cost is this bowl of stew. And Esau makes the arrangement. Just imagine he gives up his birthright, that which he was born to possess for the sake of a bowl of stew. We think it's ludicrous, but yet, are we capable of giving up our birthright for such minimal, lacking in value things like food or or drink or neglect of our bodies? Do we give up that for which God has called us. We have a birthright as members of the kingdom of God. We have authority and strength and power to speak and to act on behalf of the king of all kings. That's our birthright. And we wanna make sure that we're free to do this. Paul said, I have the right to do anything. I have the freedom to do anything but I will not be mastered by anything, he said. His highest priority was to be effective for the kingdom. We have a calling and a destiny. Paul also said, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you. Each one of us has a purpose to fulfill and a mission to accomplish. Point number three is I'd like to consider God's future plan for our bodies. It's incredible to consider that our future habitation in heaven is going to be affected by what we do here in our body. After death, this body will be resurrected. This is part of our basic Christian orthodoxy, the doctrine of the resurrection. 
The Bible talks about earthly bodies and heavenly bodies, and each one has a different kind of splendor. And just as we bear the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the man from heaven who is Jesus in his resurrected body. And then Paul brings up this very sobering motivation. He says, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are home in the body or whether we are away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So there is an eternal consideration to our service to God. And there will be eternal rewards for what we do in this body. And then at the end of that great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so we are implored, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because of all that went before in that chapter, because of the resurrection, because of of standing before Jesus one day. And so this serves as our motivation to give all that we can. God created our human body He has a purpose for these bodies. He dwells within these bodies. He has a future plan to transform these bodies. Therefore, I don't think it's a stretch to say that God cares what we do with our bodies. How then do we govern our bodies? Point number four. How then do we govern our bodies? Mark Twain said, the one way to keep your health is to eat what you don't want, drink what you don't like, and do what you would rather not. Well, I don't know if it's all so bleak as that, but the point is, we have to do something, don't we? We have to do something. The ancient Christian practice of asceticism was when Christians would, they would harm their bodies, they would subdue their bodies, they would um, put, put their bodies through, through tremendous painful exercises in order that the spirit would be released and the spirit would be enhanced. Now, I don't think many of us are involved in such practices, but I think that through neglect, we can actually have the same result of self-harm, of harming our bodies because we haven't taken the action that we need to take. And so we want to be thinking this morning about action, about that step, about what our first step will be. 1 Thessalonians 4.4 says that it is God's will that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. And so how do we govern our body well? How do we treat our body in a way that is honorable? Well, we know from personal experience and from the abundance of research that there are certain behaviors that make a difference in our health, aren't there? Healthy eating, obvious example. Fasting is another activity that's been proven to be very healthy. Solitude, rest, meditation, even church attendance. Did you know that research has shown that those who attend church tend to live longer than those who don't. 
And so already, Derwin said in the first service, can I make that my first step? So there you go. You've already kind of made this great step towards your physical health by being in church this morning. Terrific. What else can we do? Well, exercise is another big one, isn't it? We know this. The list of benefits from exercise are vast. Everything from improved moods to better brain function, better sleep, as well as the physical benefits. Health experts often remark that if exercise came in a pill form, it would be the most sought after drug on the market. Because if we could just take a pill to reap all those benefits of exercise, it would be fantastic and we would, we would feel terrific. But there isn't the pill and so we're invited to engage in some form of exercise. About a year ago, I made my first step towards physical health in a long time. And what I did was I, I approached the healthiest person that I knew and I said, would you mentor me in regards to health? And she said yes, and so we began this relationship, which started out um, eating lentils in her kitchen uh, and talking about healthy food and uh, going on power walks together and that kind of thing. So it started off very gently, and I, I thought, okay, this is a great choice that I've made. Then, January of this year, uh, she proposed something to me that I was totally unprepared for and rejected immediately, um, and she suggested that I join a running club. And so I said, you know, I don't think I'm ready for that. I, I doubt very much that I'm going to be doing that. I was actually just looking at the text last night. And uh, I said, but I'll think about it. And then we talked on the phone. And some, for some reason, the way she explained it made sense to me that I should be doing this. And so I found myself on a very dark and rainy January evening going down to Osprey Village and joining this running club. And I'll never forget it, the courage that it took to take this step. And so I walk up, there's this table in front of the running room that's down there, and the a tent, and the rain dripping off. And I walk up, and I, I, I notice one thing right away. These people have experience in running. And I knew this because there was a lot of spandex, and there was expensive running shoes, and everyone had their outfits on. I showed up with my old navy sweatpants, my 10-year-old running shoes, and totally unprepared for what I would then experience. And so they assured me, oh, it's not too bad, you know, we'll, we'll be walking for two minutes and running for one, this kind of thing. The problem was that their walking equaled for me running. <laughs> Once they got to the running, I was way at the back. They had to actually assign someone to come around and join me. And, and, and we even took a shortcut so that we could rejoin the group so we could be there at the end for the stretching. They put me in another class after that night. But I made the first step, and I started out being able to run for one minute you know, with a two-minute walking to the point now where, although it is more of a shuffle, I will admit, I am running for about 25 minutes three times a week. So praise God, I made, thank you, I made some progress. But it did start with that first daunting step. And so today, this is what we're just going to keep coming back to. Consider a first step in your health, where you're at, and what would be a next step for you. There's many resolutions that we can make and actions that we can take, but we know that it begins with a step. God's primary prescription, and my last point is this, although it has a couple of sub-points, God's primary prescription for our physical health is his restoration. 
his restoration of our bodies. His commitment is to restore. It's always for restoration. Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. In context, this means the whole person. I know sometimes we think of soul as our mind, our will, and our emotions apart from the body. In this context, it it comes from the root meaning which says that which takes breath. It's translated life or person or creature. And so he restores my soul. He restores my whole being. Earlier we sang, he restores every heart that is broken. What does it mean to be restored? I know what I think of. I think of my husband, David, because he's a painter and he does restoration work. And so he will often go in and um, he'll, he'll go in and repair a ceiling. And so they may have cut out a little piece of drywall in the ceiling, maybe due to water damage or, or some other reason. And he will go in and he will put a piece of new drywall in that, in that ceiling. And then he will mud it and, and make sure that it's all connected well. And then what he'll do is he, he will texture that, that one spot, but because texture is very difficult to match up, he will end up texturing the whole ceiling. Even if it's a continuous ceiling, it ends up being you know, a very wide and long area that is, that is then retextured, but he'll do that, and then he'll repaint the whole ceiling. And so what happens is this ceiling that had a small area of damage in just one place, will end up being completely renewed, actually better than it was before it was damaged. In fact, it might even be better than it ever was, than it ever was. This is restoration, isn't it? It's when God comes in and he does a work, and we might think he's doing just this particular area of damage, but what we find is the restoration is so vast. He restores the whole person, and sometimes I have found it takes me a long time to realize all of the implications of a time when God has touched me with restoration. It's vast. It's far-reaching. That restoration is like that. We've all experienced probably emotional pain and trauma one way or another in our lives. I think sometimes we forget that these things have happened in our bodies. And our bodies carry the pain. It's in these areas that we can receive a deep restoration and healing that only God can provide. One of the most important ways that we can be restored is through rest. Daily rest, as well as a weekly Sabbath rest, even a monthly rest or a yearly time for rest. Rest takes discipline, doesn't it? For some of us more than others. I've observed that some of us who require great discipline to exercise find it easy to rest. On the other hand, others who are inclined towards physical fitness must discipline themselves to rest. But Sabbath rest is a gift from God for our restoration. After a challenging time in my family last year, I sensed that God was inviting me into a particular period of rest, a season of rest. And during that time, I I found myself involved in a new practice that I had never engaged in before, but this is how I was led. I would put my hands on my body 
and I would say the prayer from Psalm 23. Father, restore my soul. Restore my soul. And that was my repeated prayer during this, this time of rest. And I found that's exactly what happened, that my soul was restored, that my body was restored, that I received such a great measure of healing that I found myself moving into a, a great newness of life and resurrection power after a season that seemed like death. This was the beginning of just a total return to health for me, and it certainly preceded my venture into exercise. God dealt with that part first, that deep rest and restoration that I needed, and then I was able to move into that step that I did towards exercise. Rest is one way that our soul can be restored. Meditation is another. Philippians 4.8 says, meditate on things that are lovely. Meditate on things that are lovely. In a frenzied world that offers so much ugliness for us to view, this is the most welcome directive from Scripture, and it will produce health in our bodies. Meditate on things that are lovely and beautiful. Beauty can restore us. Art, music, nature. I found in these recent days following my dad's death that beauty has been comforting and restoring for me. Gazing upon the flowers that, that were delivered, listening to music, sitting in stillness at Bunsen Lake and marveling at the, the beauty of God's creation. These have all brought comfort and restoration to me. The same psalmist that wrote, he restores my soul, also declared, I have all that I need. In that same psalm, I have all that I need. To meditate on a phrase like that, I have all that I need, is to invite peace and calm into our bodies. Can you think of something that would help you step toward health, healing, restoration? It might be revisiting a habit that you've long forgotten about. It might be calling a friend to help you, to give you some accountability. It might be making that overdue medical appointment or being honest in your small group. It might be picking up a book like The Daniel Plan or changing your schedule to prioritize rest. But it starts with a step towards physical health. Lincoln, I'm gonna ask you to come forward. We're gonna to move towards communion now. As we, before we actually, before I invite you to come forward to communion, I'm gonna ask you to consider a prayer that I've written. It'll be on the, on the slide. I'm gonna ask you just to, um, if you would like to pray that prayer to maybe read it to begin with, because it's really hard to pray something that we're not familiar with. Maybe read it and then consider praying it as we move towards communion. Lincoln is going to let the Lord minister to us through his music and song this morning. And so we're going to just take some time now just to let God restore our soul. And then I'll come back and I will invite you up.
for communion. Yeah. 
to the table that the Lord's provided for communion. Be restored. If you'd like to, before you come, pray this prayer just in your own privacy while Lincoln continues to play, please do that. Jesus offered his body for our body. His life for our life. The communion table is a great time to receive forgiveness. If you're feeling convicted about something, don't let the enemy put condemnation on you. Just come and receive your forgiveness from the Lord. It's been provided. If you're in need of healing today, come forward for healing. It's been provided. If you would like prayer for any reason, there'll be people at the back, especially if you need healing for your heart or your mind or your body. Please go to the back and receive healing. There are those who are prepared to pray for you there. You don't have to be a member of this church. All who have received Jesus are invited to partake of the table that he has prepared. If you have not committed your life to God by believing in Jesus, or if you're not even sure if you're a Christian, why not make that your first step in being restored and and go back to someone who is praying and they would love to pray with you so that you can receive Jesus and come into a relationship with God this morning. So we invite you now to come forward and be restored.
the Father's provision of health and wholeness and restoration for you by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. May you realize and fulfill your calling as his follower, and may you be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as you go forward now in peace. <laughs>